Hi, welcome to Trained. At Nike, we believe that greatness isn't born, it's trained. And that means more than just a workout. Each episode, we'll bring you conversations with leading experts in what we call the five facets of fitness. Training, recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. I train some of the world's best athletes, like Saquon Barkley, Russell Wilson, and Marcus Mariota. Today, we're talking about how listening to your body and figuring out what works for you can take your training to the next level. You're listening to Trained, presented by Nike. I went to a deadlift bar and pulled it up and I just heard a pop. I got the feeling that I had broken something, but I still didn't accept that it happened. I worked so hard to get where I was and I thought that adrenaline would just help me through it. That's what the competition mindset does to you. That's Sarah Sigmund's daughter, world-class weightlifter and CrossFit athlete. Sarah has placed in the top five at the 2015, 2016, and 2017 CrossFit Games. She might be known as one of the fittest people on earth, but she didn't earn that title by following the CrossFit status quo. Over the course of her career, Sarah has challenged what it means to eat, train, and think like a CrossFit athlete. In 2018, Sarah suffered a rib injury that forced her to pull out of the CrossFit Games. But Sarah's customized approach to nutrition, recovery, and training has allowed her to come back stronger than ever. Something you'll hear Sarah talk about through our conversation is how much her positive mindset has helped her overcome some of the toughest moments in her career. And before she tells us about how she honed that mindset, I want to tell you how I've trained some of my top athletes to see setbacks not as failures, but as challenges. Two years ago, one of my star NFL athletes tore his ACL. He had so much going for him at the time. His career was just starting to take off. He was leading his team to victory after victory. He was even slated to win the MVP that year. But when he got injured, he felt like all of that promise and progress was gone. I remember the first day we started working together after the injury. He flew to meet me on the Nike campus and we got in the gym. And as a trainer, I'm always feeling like I'm trying to balance motivating my athletes with making sure they're physically and mentally okay. Before we even started working out, I asked him if he was feeling all right. And right from the get-go, he told me that he was going to beat this injury. So he and I started focusing on the short-term goals, little milestones that were within our control. We laid out an eight-month plan and worked backward from our long-term goal. We set one benchmark per week, and at first, they were small. Things like being able to hold his body weight, a single-leg squat, a wall sit. These benchmarks didn't make the uphill battle seem so daunting. And because of his ability to stay positive and focused on what he could control, we accomplished all of our short-term goals. There's always going to be that voice in your head that tells you you can't do it. And athletes deal with that voice all the time, on the field, during press conferences, in the offseason. But they've worked hard to overcome that voice and to keep it in perspective. It's okay to acknowledge your negative thoughts, but it's even more important to focus on the things that are in your control and that you can overcome. How you face adversity says a lot about you, not just as an athlete, but as a person. When you choose to look at your setbacks as opportunities and challenges, you're more likely to end up achieving your long-term goals. I think that principle has led Sarah to become one of the fittest athletes in the world. So to give us more insight on how to stay focused on the win, let's hear from Sarah Sigmund's daughter. First off, just want to say thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Can you just start off by taking us through a little bit of like, how did you get into CrossFit? So I started just um, exercising when I was 17. 
my best friend that I used to spend all my days with and all my time and she met a guy so uh, she didn't have time for me anymore <laughs> I needed to find something else to do and I was like oh I need a boyfriend so I'm just gonna start exercising and uh, lose some weight and from there I just uh, I surprised myself how fit I could be and uh, started challenging myself on competing and competed accidentally in CrossFit in 2012 uh, it was a small competition in Iceland so yeah, I competed there and uh, was in second place. So I thought like, wow, this is something that I should maybe try to be better at. What was your childhood like? Did you play sports growing up? No, I, I hated sports. Wow. <laughs> I was always so embarrassed because I, uh, I got so red in my face when I was uh, doing sports, so I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I used to swim a little bit. That was like the first sport that I tried out. And uh, I tried every sport, but I just didn't last at all in any of them. But uh, like me and my siblings, we're, we're pretty lucky with genes. Like we're all really strong and we get fit really quickly without even having to have any backgrounds in anything. I think I'm pretty lucky with that. So when you first did that first competition where you, where you finished second, how long were you in CrossFit prior to that? Uh, I wasn't in CrossFit, so I was just doing a, a, like a boot camp seminar and I did like figure fitness. And uh, then my friend asked me to do a team competition with her, which was a CrossFit competition. And I was like, oh, if I'm doing team, I might as well just try this individual stuff. So I just YouTubed the workouts and did them by myself. And from there, there was a guy that owned a CrossFit box. And he's like, hey, there's uh, open starting after two weeks. You should come to my box and do it. And I was like, what is open? He's like, just come on Wednesday at five, do a workout that I tell you. And you put your score in in the computer and you like rank overall Europe. And maybe you'll make it to the European regionals. So I was like, okay, this is a dream come true. And then unfortunately, I, I got, what do you say? I was too excited and... Before a snatch workout, I'd never done a snatch before, so I thought that snatch was just like a barbell goes from the floor to overhead anyhow. <laughs> and uh, I got a 135 pounds by muscling it up in, in my uh, global gym, and I wasn't allowed to drop, but fell with the bar and, and broke my wrist. Oh, no. So I finally found something that I loved, and I couldn't do it anymore, so I had to wait for a whole year to start again. And I think that just made me learn how to work hard and work smarter also. How do you as a CrossFit athlete deal with that? Every year, the competition that you build up towards being, you know, at the end of the year in August, how, how do you kind of mentally stay locked in, especially when you come off like an injury, like breaking your wrist like that? Is it frustrating to have to wait a year? Like, how do you deal with that? Oh, it's very frustrating. But that's the part that teaches you the most about yourself. It's like you can't control what happened, but you still have to stay positive and you still have to... You have to find what is your why or like what what is your goal and you just have to remind yourself every day that sometimes it's going to be harder to reach your goal but if it's worth it you're not going to stop and that's what i used to think every day when i woke up i was like okay i have a broken wrist now what do i have to do so i can make it to the games one day and it's just small steps so what is your why what is the reason you do it my why is just that I want to prove there's so many young kids that were like me. Like I, I never thought that I was good in anything when I was young and I always felt bad that I didn't have any talents or anything. And then when I learned how to work hard and I proved myself wrong, like all of a sudden I was good at something just because I worked really hard. And I want to show everybody that 
if you work hard enough and if you want it enough, you can do anything you can. So that's been my why since I started. I know working with a lot of athletes myself, I, I find that there's this trend of like when you ask athletes about how do you balance the pressures of the sport and taking breaks, you give yourself a chance to recover. I think a lot of times athletes will look at you like you're crazy a little bit and, and yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. are you talking about? I don't need a break. Yeah. This is what I do. Do, yeah. you, do you feel like, do you find yourself applying that to all aspects of your life? Like, are you that way in everything you do? I am. If I'm all in, I'm all in. And if I'm not interested, I don't care about it at all. <laughs> That's just how my personality is. And I mean, every everybody that has made it somewhere in life, everybody is pretty crazy because they're so, <laughs> uh, they're just so uh, all in. And I think that when people say that I'm crazy, I take it as a compliment because I know that then I may be doing something different from everybody else, and which which makes me maybe uh, better than them or something like that. But I of course agree that you have to have a life and you have to have a balance in everything. What does it mean to you to be able to represent your country the way you do internationally? I mean, you travel everywhere. And then how do you impact your community when you come back home from these international competitions? I think it's just um, Icelandic women are very strong. We're just Nordic women, but Icelandic women are so equal to men. And it's just cool to represent that. Like CrossFit is a sport that females are equal to men. We get the same amount paid as men and everything. And it's just very cool to represent that and to show Icelandic women also and, and guys also that uh, we're just as strong as the soccer guys. Like we can make it to the <laughs> yeah. world and, and we're one of the best. Like it was amazing to see the Icelandic national team making it to worlds. Like it's just unreal. And when you have the chance to be an athlete that's worldwide, you of course you want to make Iceland proud. So I've read that when you're not competing or training that you, you're working towards your BA in psychology, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. So what is it that you want to go into? Like, How would you want to use your psychology degree? I have so much interest in what women have to go through as an athlete. Like women have all kinds of different, different times in the month. And it depends on if you're lucky or not, how you do in a competition just because of hormones. Like, women lose sleep, women have children, and it changes their complete body. Like, we have to go through so much more than guys. And I just want to prove, or I just want to, I want to look more into it, how how much different does it make to be a woman, and how much hard work <laughs> is it. And uh, then I also have a lot of interest in just sleeping. I want to study sleeping a little bit more everything about sleeping how important it is and and uh, how much it can affect you how does sleep fit into your recovery routine like how big of a deal is it to you i think about myself as like a bear when i have a competition <laughs> coming up i don't sleep and then after a competition i just <laughs> sleep for 15 to 20 hours every night almost <laughs> i just yeah <laughs> go into hibernation <laughs> and how big of an impact does that have on your training do you feel like it helps you when you when you get that much sleep it helps so much and like for the games this year i had such a good sleeping routine and i've never been able to have anything like that and i could just feel the difference in me give us some kind of a quick rundown of your training what does a week look like in terms of training? <laughs> a week oh or just a day just give me a, a given day <laughs> yeah most days are very similar so i wake up around seven eight ish i have prepared breakfast so i just eat a banana go training usually it's like a cardio morning like that's how i start the day with some movement work 
uh, and then cardio or sweating stuff. And uh, then I eat my breakfast. An hour later, I do another session that's around two hours. And then I take a like a two to three hour break. I try to nap in between or study, depends on uh, what's happening. <laughs> and uh, then I train again until around five-ish. So it's around six to seven hours of training. And uh, and then I try to have the evenings. Uh, sometimes I coach in the evenings or I just try try and meet friends or just relax or, or study again. It depends on uh, if I have an assignment coming up or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how many days a week do you stick to that routine? I mean, how many days a week is that? This is like five days a week. And then there's wow. one day that, yeah, there's um, Thursdays are usually like, a two-hour bike session into one-hour swim. Like, then I have a break the rest of the day. And then s- that's, like, a two days of, of the week. So five days of, like, hardcore training and then two days of, like, long endurance training with heart rate of zone two, zone three. Can you explain for people who don't know what zone two, zone three is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> zone two, zone three is, like, a heart rate. <laughs> so it's uh, training with a low heart rate. Gotcha. So zone two would be low, zone three would be high. Yeah. How do you incorporate recovery days into those training days? So do you balance it out with some, you know, like heavier strength days and higher intensity days with lower tempo days on the track or in the pool? Do, how, do you, how do you balance that out uh, in order to keep it so you're not, you know, overtraining or getting injured? So I have a coach that is very good in, in this science. So we talk every day. And uh, I wear a heart rate monitor so he can also see how how I am recovering and how I'm reacting to training. And and usually I take a break every or like a complete rest day every two to three weeks. And uh, those those five days of long training are mo- mostly like uh, high intensity lifting CrossFit days while the other two are long endurance. And that's just zone two, zone three. So I, that is almost a recovery day for me. We've talked a lot about the training now, so I want to get into your eating and nutrition. Can you just tell me a little bit about what your diet looks like, you know, what your macros like? How do you incorporate healthy eating into your lifestyle and do it in a way where you don't kind of overthink it? I just try to eat as clean as possible. My rule is always that if I have food in the fridge and it's not uh, bad after two to three days, (laughs) it can't be healthy. (laughs) Like you would try to think about all the additives that are in the food now. So I just try to eat a lot of beans, vegetables, and and try to think about my macros. I, I try to eat more than less. Like, it depends on the time of the season and also the, the training phase that I'm in, how much I'm eating. So if I'm in a really hard training phase, I just try to eat plus 3,000 to 3,500 calories a day. Uh, if I'm in just a... Recovery, like now I have a week of recovery and then I'm not stressing at all about eating too much or <laughs> enough. So then I'm like maybe 2,400 to 2,600 with a one session training. Well, I, I really like that rule that if it goes bad in the fridge after two or three days, then it's probably not yeah. good. I really like that. I'm going to actually use that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the best rule. <laughs> Is there any specific foods that you eat that you feel like really help you in your training? I eat very light food. I don't like heavy food. So... I eat very clean and I eat a lot of watery food. So a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, a lot of uh, beans, tofu, a lot of smoothies. And so are you plant-based then? Yes. Yes, I am. How long have you not been eating meat? Uh, since, so I started before the games in uh, around June. And uh, after the games, I actually ate 
a pizza one time, so uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so maybe I broke the rule there. <laughs> and uh, so I've been almost for uh, half a year now. What made you make that change? What was it that kind of triggered that? There, there are few actually. <laughs> My best friend has always talked to me about uh, vegan and. Um, like I always had the excuse, like I'm an athlete, I need protein, and uh, like I I just can't look at what's happening with the animals right now. And I just my saying was like living is easy with eyes closed. <laughs> like that's how <laughs> yeah, I looked at right. it. I was just like I'll I'll just eat meat, and I I don't want to think about it because it, it can affect my training. And then I just started uh, reading about all these athletes that are vegan and are training and are one of the best athletes in the world. So. Uh, I talked a little bit to my coach about it before the games, and he said that that it was probably the best thing that I could do was to become vegan. And uh, I maybe watched way too many documentaries about it also. <laughs> so I got maybe a little bit... I know bit, which ones uh, you're talking about. I know which ones yeah, you're talking about, yeah. It hurt my soul. So uh, all of a sudden, you just I just woke up one day, and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, like, I just need to... Uh, I can't have my eyes closed anymore. I wanna. I don't want to be that person. So I just didn't even want meat anymore or anything. And, and I'm such a food lover, so I thought it would be way harder for me. But it's amazing how uh, creative you can be just with plant-based. So moving into a little bit of some of the stuff you use, I know you're a big fan of the Metcon. Is there kind yeah. of a specific reason why you feel like it helps you so much? Uh, the Metcons are just so stable. I even do my Olympic weightlifting in them because I just... Oh, wow. Yeah, I love them so much. I I uh, always snatch in Metcons and, and it's just good to have shoes that you can do everything in. Like, if I go to a competition, I don't have to bring five different pairs of shoes. Yeah, of course, if there's a 10K run, I maybe wouldn't run in them. But if there's a 5K run in a workout, yeah, I could run in them. So it's it's very good. Like you can run in them, you can you can lift in them, you can do everything in them. I feel light in them. Like although I can lift in them, but they're still light, so I, I can do my gymnastics in them also and everything. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Sarah will tell us about how she maintains a positive mindset to help her face challenges both in and outside of the gym. So stick around, we'll be right back. If you're a trainer looking to take your career to the next level, then check out Nike Training Club Pro, a community of trainers looking to make fitness better for everyone. Learn from leading experts in training, mindset, nutrition, recovery, and sleep, and get an exclusive 30% discount on Nike gear. Apply at nike.com slash ntcpro. What's a focus this year for you? Like, is there a specific focus that you have, whether, whether it's improving a specific, you know, Olympic lift or if it's a strength or endurance? Like, what, what's your focus this year? For me, is uh, I had a, a very bad year last year. I broke um, my first rib in November and had to take three months off and uh, got into great shape and was just so excited. Uh, unfortunately, I broke another rib at the Games. It's just an accident and it was heartbreaking so going through those three months again with uh <laughs> when you just uh, overcame it like um that was probably the hardest so so i decided this year that i would try to compete as much as i could and get that experience and get confidence again so that's pretty much my goal this year is just to get the experience again and and uh, then i'm also aiming for the olympics uh, in 2020 
in Olympic weightlifting. How does it look like for you when you set goals? I try to focus as little as possible on outcome goals. But of course, they're always there. That's the reason why you do it. That's your why. So I do outcome goals, but I really don't think about them until I have made a list out of how I can get the outcome goals, like the road to the outcome goals. When you're building your goals like that, do you focus on the process and not the outcome? I mean, do you build a process towards each goal? Yeah, so I, I build a process to the outcome, like in different stages, and, and then I have to follow the process goals instead of the outcome. And hopefully those process goals lead to my outcome goal. Yeah, no, that's, it's so hard. I feel like so many athletes, there's so many people day to day. I mean, I always say the word athlete, but I'm really talking about everybody. But too often people, they get so focused on the, the outcome and the result that they lose track of the process. The process is really what gets you to that outcome result. If you focus way more on the process and executing that, that ultimately you're going to get way closer to your goal, no matter what anyway. Exactly. So as a coach, like what are the first couple things you, with all the people you're seeing coming in and out of your box where you're training, is there anything you see that people could work on or work through that you think, you know, for the most part, the majority needs help with? I would say mobility. People are like such lack in mobility. And uh, there's so many people that work in, in offices and just their posture has affected them a lot and, and affects them a lot in CrossFit also. And like when people can barely lift their arms overhead, it's just... You should never be at that place. What do you recommend for people that are there? Oh, I would just say that <laughs> they would have to like start with some stretching and yoga and uh, like mix that up. Like no weights until you have a good movement mechanics. That's that's my rule when I'm coaching. If I see somebody that's like there are so many, let's say that. Okay, I'm, I'm 25 and I'm, I'm coaching a guy that's 52 that's been deadlifting his whole life. And then he wants to snatch and, of course, weight is everything for him. And uh, I won't allow him to go over, <laughs> let's say, 95 pounds because lack of mobility. Like, that guy should just be training mobility instead of thinking about weight. And I think that that's, that's the balance between it. Like, okay... The coach sees that you're improving, you can add weight on. While he gets too aggressive and just wants to get 100 kilo in snatch and doesn't matter how it is, and then gets the 100 kilo, ends up breaking or something like that. So I think it's just a mixture of, of stretching and thinking about how your body is working to training. You had mentioned earlier you had a rib injury and it forced you to somewhat pull out of the games. Can you just walk me through that process and like, how did you decide to stop number one and then, and then focus on recovery instead of the competition? It was uh, probably the hardest thing that I've ever experienced. So I, I messed up the first workout. I had been biking all summer with pro cyclists and everything. So I went to the first event at the CrossFit Games, which was like 10 rounds of biking. And we, like we asked like how do we count the rounds and they said they will hear like cowbells in the last round so there were some fans that had cowbells also and i just heard bells so i just went all out in the last round thought i was finished and then i had one extra round left and you know if you go all out on a bike that <laughs> yeah there's not much left in the tank after that <laughs> so uh, i was so angry at myself for messing it up and like I used to know where the belt, how tight the belt should be, but I thought like, oh, if I have it even more tighter, I can lift more kilos and the more the weight, the, the high, higher up the leaderboard I can get. 
So I just made the belt extra tight and uh, uh, was in the warm-up and went to a deadlift bar and, and pulled it up and I just heard a pop. So I just decided that I wouldn't loosen up the belt until after the event. And uh, I just had to go with what I had. Like I've, I got the feeling that I had broken something, but I still didn't accept that it happened. So I went out on the floor and uh, my left side was doing everything for me my right side didn't work anymore like in shoulder press and in deadlifts and everything like I just rotated always to the left and I like of course then I, I figured a little bit what had happened but um I didn't want to tell anybody because I'd worked so hard to get where I was and I thought that like adrenaline would just help me through it and uh, we had a marathon row after that so uh I remember the first 10K in the marathon row were probably the most painful I've, <laughs> I've ever experienced. Uh, breathing was so hard. And uh, and then the handle of the bar was always hitting my ribs. And I just remember after the row that I thought, if I can survive the row, I can do, I can finish the weekend. Like, I just need painkillers. I'm not going to tell my coach that I think the rib is broken. Like, I was so bruised and everything. And, and uh, of course, he saw that something was wrong, but... We we didn't really talk about it until uh, the next day when I had clean and jerks and, and my right arm just barely uh, barely worked. And, uh, and that was in the warm-up area. So I was cleaning again and I had to put a belt on again. And, uh, and in every lift, I would just take five minutes afterwards to cry because it was <laughs> so painful. And... Uh, and it's amazing how, like, I just wanted it so bad to finish the competition that I didn't really care about the pain. <laughs> I just wanted to get through it. And I got an x-ray after that clean and jerk event, and uh, they said that, like, you can't really see it in x-ray. You would have to get an MRI, but it might just be the muscles that are bruised. So I just decided that it was the muscles. It wasn't the rib. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, and then uh, it, it just got worse in every event. And I remember doing, uh, I had uh, the, the vest on before the obstacle course and I had a heart rate monitor underneath it. And it was just around the ribs. And I remember just light jogging with the vest on and my heart rate was just two beats from maximum. And I was barely doing anything. And, and that's a sign of a broken bone. So like I, I pretty much knew it then. And um and then on the Saturday, like after there was one final event, like we had a, we had to drag a, a heavy, I don't even know what you call it, a slug or something uh, in one event on Saturday. And you had to put it around your shoulder and something just happened there and I couldn't move my right arm anymore and I was just stuck up to the neck. So I just saw my physio and she was trying to release it and like I didn't tell my physio either that I thought I had a broken rib. And uh, and maybe a few mistakes there, but that's what <laughs> yeah. the competition mindset does to you. And uh, and I remember trying to do a bar muscle up, and I couldn't I couldn't go over the bar because yeah, the body was just holding me back. So I still wanted to go on the floor, and uh, I just said to my coach, I was like, I don't care. I'm I'm gonna the adrenaline is gonna help me out there. And he's like, Sarah, I'm not gonna let you go in front of all of these people and then if you can't do a bar muscle up like you'll never forgive yourself for being like that so 
And he's like, what is, what is the benefit from doing something that you are really good at, but you can't do it because you have a broken bone? And uh, so he kind of talked me through it, and he just said that, I, like, I'll make the decision for you. You're not, like, allowed to compete anymore, and I'm going to talk to the guys right now and tell them that you have a broken rib so you won't be able to compete. And I, like, I knew inside that it was the right thing, but you always feel like you're, you're giving up. That's how I felt. I was like, oh, I'm just weak. I'm just giving up. Like, what's wrong with me? I've, I've never given up before. And then it's the other voice in your head that says, yeah, you have a broken bone. You have to give up. <laughs> and knowing that I had to go through three months again of recovery of, of, the, of the rib and everything was just very challenging. But then I just thought, well, this is just a challenge. I love challenges. There's nothing I can change about it but to work on what I need to work on. So... I just made new goals for the next two, three months. <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's, that's a great story of adversity. I mean, the best athletes I've noticed in the world are the ones who have like a so what now what mentality, you know? Yeah, the worst thing you can do is feel sorry for yourself. What I always focus on are things that I can control. When I broke the rib, I couldn't control what I could do. I just had to wait. So I thought, okay, what goals can I make to have something to wake up in the morning to and like aim for? And that was just like, okay, I'm going to get my legs really uh, endurancey. Like I'm going to bike every day and I'm going to try to hold this phase or, or the, these RPMs or these watts after two months. And I think you just have to write down what you can control and how you can make a small goal out from what you can do. And that gives you a little hope and that gives you positivity when you're working hard for it. And uh, that, that's what keeps me going. I love it. Sarah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know everyone listening is going to get so much out of this. So <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. It was so great talking to Sarah about her career and training philosophy. But if there's one thing I'm going to take away from that conversation, it's this. Sarah mentioned that she was vegan, that she calls herself a bear, and that she considers herself crazy. And I think all of those things are what makes Sarah such a successful athlete. Because Sarah truly does what works best for her. Most CrossFit athletes eat a meat-heavy diet. Most athletes, let alone most people, don't sleep for 15 hours a day. And there are very few people who would push themselves beyond their limit, get injured, and then get right back up and start training again the way Sarah did. In all of those facets of training, Sarah does what works for her. She goes against the grain and follows a training routine that's solely based on what she needs. And that's something everyone, no matter what level they're at, can apply to their training. We all need to learn to take risks with our training. We have to be willing to try new ways of eating, exercising, sleeping, and thinking. When you start figuring out what works for you, that's how you see progress. Trained is produced by Nike Training. Training doesn't just happen in the gym. Getting fit is about working out, eating right, sleeping well, and letting your body recover. And all of that can start with Nike Training Club app, where you'll find the right workout for you, no matter your level. Plus, holistic guidance from Nike experts. It's even got workouts with some of the same drills that Sarah does to stay fit. Plus, it's a great way to stick with your training goals, no matter how much time you have, where you are, or what's going on in your life. Go check it out. That's Nike Training Club app, available on both Android and iOS. We'll be back next time with a conversation with neuroscientist and sleep expert, Matthew Walker. 
the founder and director of UC Berkeley's Center for Human Sleep Science, and the author of the best-selling book, Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep in Dreams. This is Trained. Talk to you soon. Consult your doctor before engaging in an exercise program of any kind, especially if you have a medical condition. Use good judgment and common sense about your own fitness level and ability when engaging in a training program. If something doesn't feel right, stop immediately and seek medical attention as necessary.